Hi, I'm Lone Candle. Is it in the interests of the United States to support Israel? The U.S. doesn't simply sell Israel some weapons like it does Egypt or Saudi Arabia. The U.S. has a special relationship and quasi-alliance with Israel where the U.S. promises to maintain Israel's qualitative military edge compared to others in the region and gives Israel more military aid than any other country while also giving them diplomatic cover in the UN. The U.S. isn't just a friend or supporter of Israel. It has made a moral commitment to defend Israel's right to exist. Does it make sense for the U.S. to continue doing this? Or should the U.S. start treating Israel like a normal country? Which option would be best for the United States? costs. There are several downsides to the U.S. supporting Israel. Financial costs. Although the direct cost of helping Israel is large, it pales in comparison to some of the historical knock-on effects. The United States subsidizes Israeli purchases of U.S. weapons and subsidizes Israeli research and development. The U.S. has given $3 billion every year adjusted for inflation, for the last 50 years. Israel is the number one receiver of U.S. security aid. This is taxpayer money that could be spent elsewhere or given back to the American people. While this money is real and could be utilized elsewhere, it is small compared to all forms of aid given to countries like Japan, South Korea, and Germany. To Israel, the U.S. gives money. To these other countries, the U.S. has troops and equipment on their land. If these countries get invaded, American forces are instantly in war and Americans are dying. 2020 estimates for total U.S. aid to Japan is $27 billion, $21 billion for Germany, and over $15 billion for South Korea. Even Italy gets $6 billion. Not only are these financial totals higher, American lives are at risk and the U.S. is almost guaranteeing it enters a war to defend these countries because U.S. forces will be fighting and dying as soon as these countries are invaded. This is not the case for Israel. Additionally, the U.S. is treaty-bound to defend these countries from conventional and nuclear attacks. The U.S. doesn't have such commitments to Israel. In September 2022, the U.S. had almost 54,000 troops in Japan, almost 36,000 in Germany, and more than 25,000 in South Korea. While these expenses are higher, the U.S. is getting something in return. The U.S. can use Japan, South Korea, and Germany to house personnel and equipment in the region, and can use these forces when needed both for actions in the local region and for nearby regions. In the Iraq War, Germany was utilized to provide hospital care and rest before troops were flown back to the United States. Also, U.S. forces in these countries act as a deterrent to potentially aggressive neighbors, which can avoid war in the first place. So, although the U.S. does spend more on these other countries, the U.S. can more use these territories than it can use Israeli land. The U.S. gives military aid to Israel and it subsidizes Israeli defense companies. Then these companies compete with U.S. companies on the world stage, limiting U.S. sales and creating another financial cost. The greatest expense of supporting Israel may be the economic retaliations it has caused from Middle Eastern actors, because the U.S. gave $2.2 billion in emergency military funding during the Yom Kippur War, OPEC created the 1970s oil embargo that seriously hurt the economies of the U.S. and other Western countries. Starting in 2023, Yemen's Houthis attacked shipping in the Red Sea raising the cost of shipping and forcing the U.S. to use expensive military resources to counter these attacks on trade. The Houthis do this partially because Israel is supported by the U.S. They claim they will stop when Israel stops attacking Gaza. Furthermore, attacks against U.S. forces in the Middle East sometimes increase while Israel is at war because the U.S. is seen as Israel's supporter. So, in both direct aid and the knock-on expenses resulting from the anti-U.S. and anti-Israel actions of actors in the region, the U.S. spends a lot of money for the special relationship. Probably worse than the financial costs, 
supporting Israel greatly hurts America's reputation and soft power. Israel is unpopular in much of the world, so heavily supporting Israel makes the U.S. less popular among leaders, diplomats, and peoples. The U.S. is seen as providing weapons and diplomatic coverage to a country taking evil actions, and this makes it more difficult for other countries to work with the U.S. This is especially true in the Muslim world. Relatively moderate Arab regimes may be weakened by being seen cooperating with the U.S. who so strongly supports Israel. That said, while Israel has done some things worthy of criticism, much anti-Americanism would exist regardless. The big bad world power is too easy of a rhetorical foil for radicals, leaders, and terrorists to pass up. Even relatively friendly countries like Egypt and Saudi Arabia use anti-Americanism. Arab leaders can use anti-Americanism as an excuse to avoid actions they don't want to do. Life is mentally easier for everyone when there is a society-accepted scapegoat to blame one's problems on. Anti-Americanism is also a useful tool to reject ideas linked to the United States, like democracy, freedom, and modernization. Israel was a significant burden for both Iraq wars. The U.S. wanted a coalition of Arab states and the support of Arab peoples it was fighting to liberate. It also wanted populations less prone to support terrorism or anti-American guerrilla warfare. Anti-Israel sentiments and the U.S. support of Israel were easily used to promote unfriendly relations with the U.S. During the first Gulf War, the U.S. had to work hard to convince Israel not to retaliate when Saddam Hussein launched Scud missiles against Israel. He knew that if he could get Israel to retaliate, then he could propagandize the war as Jewish Western imperialist against the Arab or Muslim world. The U.S. didn't use Israel as a launching pad because this would lend itself to such arguments and could break the American coalition. So, while many argue that Israel is worth 10 aircraft carriers, if we can't use Israel to launch attacks due to diplomatic and propaganda reasons, then it's worth zero aircraft carriers, at least when it comes to the U.S. or NATO launching strikes themselves from Israel. Israel gives rogue states a propaganda tool to hit the U.S. with, but also can't help if the U.S. needs to strike such states. Additionally, during the Gulf War, the U.S. had to use resources to send Patriot missile batteries to Israel instead of focusing on its war in the Gulf, and had to focus on finding and attacking the Scud missile launchers, which was like finding needles in haystacks. Similarly, in the 2003 Iraq War, Israel could not directly help so as not to spark Arab opposition. Surveys show that the U.S. is unpopular in the Arab world, and arguably, this is mainly because of its support for Israel. A 2011 poll asked Arab Muslims in the Middle East what they thought the greatest obstacle to peace and stability in the Middle East was. The top two answers were continued Israeli occupation of Palestinian lands and U.S. interference in the Arab world. That said, the U.S. is still big in popular culture, education, trade, and technology. Some surveys put economic progress and corruption as higher concerns than Israel. The U.S. is also unpopular due to Guantanamo Bay, U.S. invasions of Afghanistan and Iraq, drone strikes, and U.S. support of Arab autocracies. So, Israel isn't single-handedly causing the U.S. to be unpopular. Israel's wars often kill lots of civilians. Whether or not this is necessary due to the way terrorists fight, this makes the U.S. look bad and hurts American soft power. The U.S. presents itself as a do-good power and not just a selfish country, but it's hard to have a positive impact with soft power while supporting a country involved in killing thousands of civilians and slowly taking more West Bank land. The Global South thinks American talk of international law and rules is hypocritical when we don't constrain and even support Israel. They see us asking for help against Russia because Russia takes evil actions. Then they see us supporting Israel when Israel does what they perceive as evil actions and think we're full of shit. Now, is there any country out there who refuses to sanction Russia for its invasion of Ukraine that would have sanctioned Russia if not for Israel? Eh, probably not. So, it's not clear what actual impact the damage to soft power has. 
terrorism. Islamist terrorists have multiple motivations for wanting to attack the United States, but one large motivating factor is Israel. The existence of Israel, its taking of land, and its treatment of Palestinians outrage many Muslims and motivate people to commit and support terror. Because the U.S. supports Israel, this is one major motivation for terrorists to attack the United States, and it provides terrorists with powerful propaganda that they can use to gain recruits and support. The diplomatic costs of U.S. support for Israel extends to getting states to help the U.S. fight terror, as well as convincing them to not support it. Syria at times has helped the U.S. in the fight against terrorists, but partially because of the U.S. supporting Israel, those positive relations have not been maintained. Internally and externally, Iran uses anti-Israel rhetoric to justify supporting terrorists, including Houthis in Yemen, who disrupted Red Sea shipping by targeting ships with missiles and drones, causing the U.S. to respond militarily. Syria also supports terror because of Israel. Israel gives legitimacy and sympathy to Iranian-supported terrorist groups and to Iran's support of those terrorists. Al-Qaeda gets sympathy and support for this reason, too. Israel is the most resonating anti-U.S. grievance in the Middle East. Egypt has trouble with terrorists partly because the terrorists in Egypt are often motivated by Egypt's peace with Israel. However, even without Israel, Iran would probably still support Hezbollah, and Hezbollah would still want to disrupt the pro-U.S. Lebanese government to gain more political power there. Iran may be motivated to support terrorists because of Israel, but Iran would likely support terror anyways, to use as a threat to its Arab rivals and the U.S., generally increase its power, and export its revolution. Also, Al-Qaeda's top reasons for the 9-11 attacks were U.S. forces in Muslim lands and the death of Muslims from around the world, not simply Israel. The U.S. has few troops actually in Israel. The Peace Process Stability in the world and the Middle East is in U.S. interest because stability produces a better environment for business, trade, and economic growth. It's possible that U.S. heavy support for Israel makes the Israeli-Palestinian peace process more difficult for two reasons. One, Israel may feel less of a need to compromise because it has the backing of the United States and all the military weapons it needs to win wars. Two, because the U.S. so heavily supports Israel, the U.S. is not seen as a neutral broker by Palestinians. I don't put much weight on the idea that heavily supporting Israel is a barrier to peace. The Jews are determined to have a Jewish state. A sufficient number of Palestinians are willing to use terrorism to fight a Jewish state. As long as there is not a possible deal that the two sides can agree to, and that enough people will accept to maintain peace during and after the implementation of said deal, there is nothing the United States can do to hinder or advance peace. Without heavy U.S. support, Israel could make new relationships to find weapons. They would not be as strong as with U.S. weapons, but the wealthy country can build and buy weapons without the United States. So, even without U.S. support, Israel would feel that it doesn't need to compromise, and Israeli compromise wouldn't matter because enough Palestinians would use violence to reject any peace deal that leaves Israel intact as a Jewish state. One reason rogue states want nukes is because of Israel. Israel could be a threat to them with its conventional and nuclear arsenals. The conventional arsenal is stronger than it otherwise would be because of U.S. support. Also, rogue states can use that Israel has nukes and powerful conventional forces as justifications for them having nukes, even if their true reasons for wanting the weapons are something else. So, the power Israel gains by its close relationship with the U.S., makes nuclear proliferation worse by these mechanisms. Because the U.S. has made Israel such a key ally, when Israel is in trouble, the U.S. uses the time and energy of a lot of high-level people that could have been used on something else. For example, in the Gaza War that began in 2023, Secretary of State Blinken had to take multiple Middle East trips to deal with that war. The U.S. only has so many key decision makers, 
and they have limited time and energy. It's quite costly when they have to focus their limited mental and political resources on Israel, when there are so many other problems the U.S. faces. Benefits, while the costs of the special relationship are high and should not be underplayed, the relationship also offers the U.S. benefits. Israel is purported to be an important ally in the region, but what does the U.S. gain from this alliance? The United States can work with other partners in the region like Turkey, Egypt, Qatar, the UAE, and Saudi Arabia. What special regional benefits does the U.S. get for working with Israel? Israel's location as a crossroads of different areas could make it ideal for projecting power in multiple directions. Israeli facilities could be used by the U.S. Air Force to house U.S. power in the Middle East. The U.S. stockpiles military equipment in Israel that the U.S. can use when needed. Israel also uses it in emergencies. U.S. sailors use Haifa as a friendly leave port. The problem is, to actually launch a major U.S. attack from Israel could be a diplomatic catastrophe, as the Arab and Muslim worlds would treat that as an attack by Israel, and regional dictators would have trouble cooperating with the goals of such an attack when it was seen by their people as coming from Israel. So, while Israel's location is strategically significant, it's not clear if the U.S. can actually take advantage of it, at least not with its own forces. Early in the Cold War, Israel was a significant ally as the Soviets had influence in major Arab countries, and Israel kept them in check. However, it's possible that the reason the Soviets had such influence was because these Arab countries needed Soviet weapons to fight in Israel made more powerful by U.S. help. Either way, the Cold War is over. The U.S. has had positive relationships with multiple major Arab states since the 1970s, so Israel is no longer countering the influence of an evil empire. Good relations with Israel can help facilitate safe passage through the Suez Canal. And with its dominant air force, Israel itself can take action where the U.S. can or will not. Overall, Israel is in an important location, but the U.S. can't take full advantage of it because of how Israel is viewed in the region. Both the U.S. and Israel have great concerns about Iran's support for terror and development of nuclear weapons. Israel regularly strikes both weapons shipments supported by Iran in Syria and Iranian personnel in Syria, and has used clandestine actions to hinder Iran's nuclear program. The problem with this as a major benefit is that A. Israel would be doing this anyways. It is in Israel's self-interest to limit weapons on its borders and to prevent a state that says it wants to destroy Israel from getting nuclear weapons. Israel could develop the capabilities to execute clandestine operations without the U.S. and could find other sources for air power. And B, maybe the U.S. could have better relations with Iran in the first place if not for Israel. U.S.-Iranian relations have been poor since the Islamist revolution overthrew the Shah and revolutionaries took Americans hostage. That was in 1979. Plenty of time for the two countries to move on. Why must Iran and the U.S. be at such odds? It's possible that if not for tensions created by Iran's hatred of Israel, the U.S. and Iran could have had a rapprochement by now. That said, Iran has also had serious tensions and even proxy wars with its Arab neighbors, whom the U.S. also partners with. Iran's national ideology is one of Shia Islamic revolution, and it seeks to export its revolution to other Muslim countries. Iran sees the U.S. as a meddling external power intent on dominating Iran, while the U.S. sees Iran as a revolutionary terror state. So, even without Israel, the American-Iranian relationship would have tensions. Therefore, Israel and the United States, both working to counter a common rival, is a benefit of the relationship. On nukes, Iran sometimes claims it wants nuclear weapons to counter Israel. But Iran probably wants nukes to ensure its status as a regional power and to deter the U.S.
terrorism. Many in the Middle East dislike the U.S., and as a result, terrorist groups actively work to kill Americans. While some of this hate is due to U.S. support for Israel, not all of it is. Terrorists spend lots of focus on attacking Israelis. Without Israel, some of those terrorists may instead focus their energies on harming the U.S. itself, or any country in the region on good terms with the U.S. Thus, Israel may act as a lightning rod, drawing much radical attention to it and focusing it away from direct attacks on the U.S. or other U.S. partners in the region. Again, this may be the case even if the U.S. didn't support Israel, but the U.S. helping Israel with weapons and technology makes it better at fighting terrorists. Although not perfect, Israel has excellent intelligence services and at times shares that intelligence with the U.S. They also share their counterterrorism and counterproliferation experience. They've shared stolen Soviet technology with the U.S., like Soviet radar and a MiG-21. Additionally, they have extensive experience fighting terrorism, which they feed back to the U.S. in forms of tactics, technology, and intel. Diplomacy While the U.S. being close to Israel can make it not seen as a neutral broker, the relationship also leads others to believe that the U.S. may be able to convince Israel to make concessions. This aids U.S.-Arab relations. It allowed the U.S. to negotiate peace between Israel and Egypt, and has facilitated the U.S., Israel, and some Arab states in forming an anti-Iran partnership. That said, the extent that this aids U.S.-Arab relations doesn't overcome the extent that the existence of Israel and its perceived atrocities make it difficult for Arab countries to work with the U.S. Despite animosity toward Israel, the U.S. has been able to forge positive relationships with many key Arab states because they are primarily concerned about their self-interest, and the U.S. is a powerful country that can help them. Regional Stability? The U.S. has at least three major interests in the Middle East. One is maintaining access to oil and natural gas. The second is preventing the spread of weapons of mass destruction in the region. And the third is reducing the threat of anti-American terrorists. All three of these interests benefit from a stable region. Would ending the alliance with Israel somehow cause regional instability that affects the United States? It can be argued that Israel has done very little to actually promote regional stability. It mostly just defends itself. The one example of defending a U.S.-friendly regime was in 1970 when in Jordan, Palestinians rebelled and Syria sent a tank force. Israel mobilized its forces in response to a U.S. request. Jordan then crushed the Palestinians and rebuffed the Syrian tanks by itself. This is a pretty weak example because all Israel did is mobilize and fly reconnaissance drone flights, and it's not clear if this affected the outcome. Even if Israel mostly just defends itself, the U.S. supporting Israel may promote regional stability for at least five reasons. Israel acts as a counterweight against dangerous forces. U.S. support makes other countries less likely to attack Israel because it is stronger. U.S. support gives Israel the security to not need to act as aggressively in the name of self-defense. U.S. support can prevent wars from expanding. And reserve equipment and ammunition the U.S. keeps in Israel can be used by the U.S. if it needs to intervene in the region. It has been argued that Israel is a counterweight against radical forces and prevented the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction by stopping Iraq's and Syria's programs. Israel may act as a restraint or deterrent on aggressive adversaries in the region like Syria, Hezbollah, and Iran. Israel also weakens such forces by military action. However, groups like Hezbollah may have never existed if not for Israel, and it's not clear if they would be a threat to the U.S. if not for U.S. cooperation with Israel. The U.S. clearly supporting Israel may prevent wars and facilitate peace. If Israel was weaker, it's possible that other states in the region would be more likely to attack Israel and create a destabilizing war. Because Israel is so strong, other states think such a war is not worth it. Strong American support has ensured no Israeli-Arab war since 1973. Also, supporting Israel may provide the benefit of Israeli strategic restraint. 
Without U.S. backing, Israel might be more aggressive militarily in the name of defending itself. With the power the U.S. gives Israel, the country doesn't need to act so aggressively to defend itself because its power gives it a level of security. American backing may have convinced Israel to not totally humiliate Egypt in the 1973 Yom Kippur War, which facilitated future peace. Once the war had turned, Israel could have destroyed an Egyptian army, but was convinced instead to let them survive. Egypt saw the U.S. helping them, and this gave the U.S. the ability to be a broker for peace and avoided complete humiliation for the Egyptians. Because Israel felt confident with its supply of American weapons and other military and economic help, it withdrew from the Sinai, giving it back to Egypt, which improved U.S.-Egyptian relations, lowered regional tensions, and allowed the 1979 formal peace between Egypt and Israel. In the 1991 Gulf War, the U.S. convinced Israel to not retaliate against Saddam Hussein's Scud missiles. This allowed the U.S. to maintain its coalition against Iraq, which would be harder to do if the war became the Jewish state against an Arab state. Without a close partnership between the U.S. and Israel, and without the U.S. using Patriot missiles to defend Israel, Israel may have retaliated and weakened the U.S. war effort. U.S. support can also prevent wars from expanding. After the October 7, 2023 Hamas terrorist attack on Israel, the U.S. supplying Israel and making a large show of force could have limited the involvement of Hezbollah and prevented a direct war between Israel and Iran. Although this war is ongoing, and the U.S. itself could be drawn into a larger conflict. The reserve hardware and ammunition that the U.S. keeps in Israel can be rapidly deployed in an emergency. This could help the U.S. to act in the region, or nearby regions, like Ukraine. Generally, Israel has a lot of power and influence in the region, and having good relations with such a country can help influence the region. While these benefits to regional stability are real, so is the hatred toward Israel. The excuse and reason this gives for countries to make war directly or indirectly against Israel, the fuel for terrorism that is Israel, and that these factors decrease regional stability. However, these negative factors would exist with or without the U.S. Israel itself creates these factors. So if Israel is going to find a way to survive without the U.S., which it probably would considering the U.S. only heavily supported Israel after the 1967 war, then U.S. support for Israel likely increases regional stability. Technological development. Israel is a high-tech society, and the U.S. works with Israel to develop advanced military and homeland security technology. So, it's not simply the U.S. giving Israel weapons, but Israel using its skills to develop new weapons that both countries can use. We develop stuff jointly, and Israel develops stuff on their own that we use, including special armor plating for vehicles, special Israeli bandages, unmanned aerial systems, and robotics techniques and procedures. The U.S. military purchases equipment from Israel like short-range unmanned aircraft, targeting pods deployed on aircraft, pilot helmets, tank armor, and a naval close-defense gun system. A myriad of systems and equipment are jointly developed. Jointly developed systems include the Iron Dome, which is a rocket defense system, another missile defense system called the Arrow, and the Flame and Stuxnet viruses that delayed Iran's nuclear development. Additionally, by giving U.S. weapons to a country who will actually use them in combat, the U.S. gets learnings on operation, maintenance, and repairs, as well as data and testing so we can improve current weapons and make better ones in the future. Positive relations may also encourage Israeli companies and individuals to work with American companies and individuals to develop civilian technology. We are talking about key and important civilian technology here. In 2010, microprocessors designed in Israel made up about 40% of Intel's revenues. Israeli green and conservation technology helps the United States protect its environment and produce green energy. Israel also buys a lot of U.S. products. Israel provides America's military-industrial complex a market, helping them keep experience in manufacturing and providing them revenue, which likely produces some jobs. This helps factories stay open and contributes to producing greater economies of scale. However, sales to Israel are a small fraction of overall U.S. military sales. Israel's use of American weapons is like a demonstration or an advertisement for U.S. weapons that may increase sales. 
A lot of the money Israel uses to buy American weapons is aid the U.S. gave to Israel for this purpose. Israel may also help the U.S. in cyber defense technology and national resilience planning and implementation. The U.S. has learned from Israeli experiences with counterterrorism, homeland security, and urban warfare using joint exercises to gain knowledge and capabilities. Israel taught U.S. forces how to detect and neutralize improvised explosive devices, IEDs, and U.S. troops have even trained in an Israeli desert to prepare for Iraq and has sent roughy handlers to Israel for training. Democracy. No two democracies have ever fought a war against each other. Democracies tend to be friendly with other democracies, and that's good for the United States. A democracy. While Israel's democracy is far from perfect, it's still a democracy. Its example could be followed by other regional states. Thus, maintaining Israel's survival and prosperity could help spread democracy throughout the region, which may make states more friendly to the U.S. I doubt this argument. A. Israel is a westernized society that the surrounding countries see as alien. They won't feel the need to be democratic just because Israel is. Israel has been around since 1948, and there doesn't seem to be any positive effect on democracy. B. Just because democracies tend to be friendly with each other doesn't mean they always will. If the populations of the Middle Eastern countries don't like the U.S., then their democratically elected leaders will likely not act favorably toward the U.S. The U.S. may want to support Israel for the sake of Israel's democracy, regardless of democracy spread. Any country that replaced Israel would most likely not be a democracy, because democracy has struggled in that region. However, Israel is a limited democracy. The focus of Israel is to create a Jewish state. While in the U.S., people from around the world have the opportunity to immigrate, obtain citizenship, and become fully American, Israel is a Jewish state for Jews. Although non-Jews can gain citizenship, they will never be the people that the country is meant to be for and protect. Furthermore, people in the West Bank and Gaza are not granted citizenship at all, forcing them to live as non-citizens. They do have their own governments, though, and the extent of Israel's remaining control is partially due to these governments' inability to stop anti-Israeli terrorists, or because these governments are anti-Israeli terrorists. Has Israel been a good ally? There could be a benefit to having a good ally in Israel. It's an advanced, wealthy society in a strategic location. But has Israel even been a good ally? Israel has maybe intentionally attacked an American ship, spied on the U.S., and on many occasions given military technology to the U.S.'s number one strategic rival, China, as well as possibly to the Soviet Union, when Israel got classified material and reportedly gave it to the Soviet Union in exchange for exit visas for Soviet Jews. Israel does what it wants in the West Bank and Gaza, despite what American presidents think. Israel continues building illegal settlements in the West Bank, essentially stealing land, and the U.S. being against it hasn't permanently stopped the construction. Israel has accepted U.S. military equipment, then made their own by reverse engineering and exported the technology to other countries without gaining a license from the U.S. Israel even manipulates U.S. domestic politics and goes straight to Congress, going around the American president, when Israel thinks that will help it achieve its ends. The greatest costs of the U.S. supporting Israel all stem from the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. If this could be solved, then terrorism, diplomacy, and even direct subsidies would lessen. For decades, the U.S. has pushed Israel to make needed compromises for a two-state solution. At times, they have done this, but many times they refuse to. Israel is often unwilling to make the compromises necessary to give a two-state solution a chance and has even indirectly funded Hamas because Hamas thriving in the West Bank makes it less likely that Israel would have to make serious compromises with the Palestinians. For refusing to do what is necessary to limit Israel's number one cost toward the United States, Israel is not a good ally. They may have good reason to do this. It may be true that a final peace deal is impossible because certain terrorists will always blow it up. 
But nevertheless, when Israel rudely dismisses American requests to be willing to compromise and stop building settlements, these are not the actions of a good ally. Israel has, however, done some things on behalf of the U.S. In 2006, Israel gave in to W. Bush administration demands and allowed Palestinians to hold legislative elections. In the mid-1960s, Israel stole a MiG-21 from Iraq and lent it to the U.S. In 1969, Israel stole a Soviet radar from Egypt. In 1970, Israel mobilized troops and flew reconnaissance missions to help Jordan defeat Syria's invasion of Jordan, although Israel did not fight in this war. Israel shared technical intelligence of Soviet weapons Israel took in the Six-Day and Yom Kippur Wars. Israel agreed to end its sale of certain weapons and technology to China. Has Israel been a good enough ally to be worthy of a special relationship? They honestly haven't been a great ally. They are out to protect themselves and to pursue their own interests, and don't too much care about U.S. interests unless the U.S. heavily pressures them to. However, that's true for any two independent countries. That said, Israel has crossed the line on what a good ally would not do, so I can't say they have been a good ally. They too often have given our technology away to dangerous rivals, ignored our requests, manipulated our domestic politics, and even possibly intentionally attacked a, and damaged a U.S. ship, killing and wounding some of the crew. They've done too many bad ally things to get the label of a good ally. An alliance may still be a net benefit, even if one member has been a bad ally in the sense of certain behaviors. So my conclusion that Israel has not been a good ally doesn't mean the special relationship is not worth it. Path Dependency The number one reason the U.S. is Israel's ally today is because it was Israel's ally yesterday. In international relations, alliances can shift, but there is a level of stickiness in path dependency. The U.S.-Israel relationship already has its current status, deals, and cooperation. That's the status quo, and it would take a heavier lift to change that than to keep it the same. Furthermore, the world sees Israel as an ally of the United States, and if the U.S. abandons Israel, it could embolden American rivals while giving doubt to American partners. Ending the quasi-alliance with Israel would be seen as a victory by Iran, Hamas, and Hezbollah, and incentivize future terrorist activity because they would see the U.S. leaving Israel as evidence that terrorism works. The question isn't should the U.S., starting from a neutral position, enter into a special relationship with Israel. The question is, given many decades of a special relationship with Israel, and all the mutual dependencies, expectations, international situations, and current deals and cooperations, does it make sense for the U.S. to continue its special relationship with Israel? To untangle the military-to-military -military relationships and trade, to remove the expectations of equipment and ammunition in Israel, to reassure partners of our support, to convince rivals of our deterrence, and to unravel the research and development cooperation, will all be very difficult things. Israel is already in a state of amazing military technology and development. They got there with American help, but the Americans can't take back the progress already made. If the U.S. becomes more neutral toward Israel, Israel will have less reason to not sell advanced technology to Russia and China. Israel already gave some technology to China and only stopped giving them more under heavy U.S. pressure. The United States is accustomed to receiving helpful intelligence from Israel. It would need to beef up its own intelligence to make up for that, and the U.S. may not be capable of matching Israeli intelligence in the region. Because we've already been close partners for decades, ending the special relationship has additional costs due to path dependency and ongoing cooperation. <coughs> Alternative Relationships If the U.S. ends its special relationship, what would the American-Israeli relationship be like? 
The goal wouldn't be to become Israel's enemy or rival. We'd want the relationship to move into one of two categories. A regular partner, like Egypt, or fully neutral. The U.S. is a partner with Middle Eastern countries like Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Bahrain. These relationships aren't super close like the Israeli one, but are still significant. Moving Israel to such a relationship would retain some of the benefits of the current relationship, but also some of the costs. For example, the U.S. may dial back some of its aid and no longer provide lockstep diplomatic cover, and therefore save some money and may produce some diplomatic relations. However, because the U.S. would still be cooperating with Israel to some extent, terrorists and maybe the greater Arab and Muslim worlds may still see this cooperation as too much and still be inspired to attack the U.S. or U.S. interest, and may still find cooperating with the U.S. difficult. Fully neutral would mean the U.S. is still open to trade with Israel, but ends all military aid and special military cooperation. This would be awkward because the U.S. gives military aid to Egypt. So would the U.S. then be supporting the military of Israel's neighbor more than Israel? This would seem to be less neutral and more anti-Israel. Then, would ending military aid to Israel also require ending it to Egypt? How would Egypt react to that? What would be the great ramifications for the Middle East and the world? Being fully neutral would eliminate most of the cost of supporting Israel, but would also eliminate most of the benefits, as well as confuse other diplomatic relationships in the region. We have to imagine how the world will be different if the U.S. switches to one of these alternative relationships with Israel. Will the transition result in a net good for the United States or net bad? The past is the past, so the switch starts at some point in the near future and goes forward from there. There are a variety of ways in which the U.S. could become more of a regular partner to Israel. The U.S. would have to back off some of the ways it aids and cooperates with Israel, but because they still remain partners, the U.S. wouldn't back off always. At the very least, the U.S. would end its commitment to keep Israel as the cutting-edge military power in the Middle East. Maybe Israel will maintain this on their own, but it won't be a U.S. commitment to keep them there. The U.S. would reduce military aid to Israel to no more than it gives to Egypt. However, a regular partner can still do research and development together, and trade a fair number of arms. The U.S. would no longer provide blanket diplomatic cover, and would at times not protect Israel in the U.N., but would still tend to support their partner diplomatically. The U.S. probably wouldn't keep equipment and ammunition in Israel. Under such a scenario, the U.S. may keep the advantages of researching together and having a partner in a strategic location in the Middle East, but would likely also maintain the diplomatic, public, and terrorist hate and the consequences from that. The status quo is already hating the United States, partly because of Israel. And while an initial pullback will be cheered, there will be plenty to demagogue about when the U.S. is still a partner, just not a special partner. It's not clear whether under a lighter partnership, the U.S. could stop Israel from sharing technology with China or Russia. Backing away from the special relationship would give Israel an incentive to seek help from other sources. Although Israel has failed to keep U.S. technology secret, they have committed to not giving any to rivals. It's possible that would not maintain under a lighter relationship. However, if the U.S. and Israel continue a sufficient level of research and development cooperation, Israel may still commit to not sharing secrets with China. Being a regular partner could incentivize Israel to act more aggressively, as it will no longer believe that the U.S. will fully back them. But Israel has already gained such strength and still works with the U.S. to an extent, so likely would not suddenly act more aggressively. Likewise, other states would not suddenly have the incentive to attack Israel because even under a softer partnership, Israel could maintain its military advantage. The U.S. being a regular partner may help it put more pressure on Israel to make the necessary compromises for peace between Israel and the Palestinians. Pressure could be higher because, as just a regular partner, the U.S. has a more credible threat to walk further away if Israel does not compromise. However, Israel could also care even less what we have to say because we are just a regular partner and not someone special. I don't think it would make a difference in the peace process one way or another because Israel would be much stronger than the Palestinians either way, 
and hardliners on both sides had the ability to throw a wrench into negotiations, even if majorities wanted a peace deal. Going from special partner to regular partner only reduces some of the cost and only reduces some of the benefits. Unfortunately, the greatest costs are terrorism and more difficult diplomacy, and it's not clear if this would be helped at all as long as the U.S. was still a partner. A world in which the U.S. makes Israel just a regular partner is a world where the U.S. saves some money on aid, but not a whole lot else changes. Although, I should caution that small changes could have unpredictable effects, and a lot of this depends on how Israel responds. A much more dramatic shift would be if the U.S. became neutral towards Israel. This would mean the end of military aid, saving money, the end to most research and development, the end to storing equipment in Israel, the end to protecting them in the U.N., and maybe an end to selling Israel weapons at all. Maybe this could continue, but Israel wouldn't get top-of-the-line stuff and would have to pay for it all themselves. This would immediately save the U.S. its aid money, but would also lose sales and demonstrations for military companies. The U.S. would lose a powerful friend in the Middle East. But when the need arises to form a coalition, this would be easier. Iran-fearing countries like Saudi Arabia may be against the move, as they see Israel as a potential ally against Iran. Without Israel causing tension between Iran and the U.S., a detente between Iran and the U.S. would be possible. When Israel and one of the terrorist groups that surround it start killing each other, and many civilians, the U.S. would not need to be involved. That would just be Israel's problem because we're neutral. The U.S. could pursue relationships in the Arab and Muslim worlds without the heavy weight that was the special relationship with Israel weighing them down. How Israel reacted would be key. Without cooperating with the U.S. for the continual advancement of technology, would they cooperate with China and or Russia instead? Israel has shown itself willing to cooperate with both these countries in the past, including delivering U.S. technology. Israel is amazingly skilled and technologically developed. It would be a jewel of a research partner for Russia and China. This would make important U.S. rivals much stronger and make deterring or defeating them more difficult. How would Israel lash out? If Iran pressed its threat by supplying terrorist groups, would Israel strike Iran directly? Maybe Israel would nuke one Iranian city with the threat of nuking more if Iran retaliates. Middle Eastern countries adjusting to the new U.S. neutral stance could spark wars that kill millions. Or there could be a lot of noise with no deadly changes. It's impossible to know. But the risk is real. Anti-U.S. terror would still exist, but it could lose much of its steam, especially over time. Children growing up won't be able to look at Israel taking land and killing civilians and blame the U.S. because the U.S. isn't involved. Propaganda blaming the U.S. for Israeli actions will ring hollow the longer the U.S. has been neutral. There should be a net decrease in anti-U.S. terror. Anti-Israel terror could go up as Israel may look weak, but if Israel survives and fights back the terrorist surge, a similar stalemate may develop. The peace process may be hopeless no matter what the U.S. does, but if the U.S. is neutral, it could actually be a neutral broker. And if Israel is cut off from U.S. help and feels itself getting much weaker as a result, it may cut a deal. Although there will probably always be Islamist terrorists to ruin any such deal. If Israel doesn't develop positive relationships with any other helpful power, Israel may see itself inevitably weakening and say, fuck it and commit genocide or mass ethnic cleansing, wiping out Palestinians from the West Bank and Gaza. Then they could declare that any attempt by a foreign country to stop or punish Israel for the cleansing will be met with nuclear bombs in their capital and major cities. Currently, Israel can do a lot without losing support, but an actual ethnic cleansing or genocide would lose the U.S. If the U.S. has already lost, then Israel may have a free hand and will be willing to suffer generations of economic sanctions to finally have all the land to themselves. The American reputation for being true to its allies would be damaged, and the U.S. would need to make costly signals to its remaining allies to ensure them that Israel was an exception. At best, the U.S. makes costly signals, and they are accepted. At worst, 
Countries who were friendly to the U.S. decide they'd rather be friends with China or Russia. I see this as unlikely because no one wants to be dominated by those assholes. U.S. military technology would suffer as Israel is a helpful partner in developing new weapons, but the U.S. would still be a cutting-edge military power. Likewise, U.S. Middle East intelligence would weaken, and the U.S. would have to find a way to improve their intelligence. It likely would never be as good as the Israelis. If the U.S. could parlay its neutral status toward Israel into positive relations with Iran, that would be huge. Iran is a large and powerful country that is a massive pain to the United States. If Iran could feel secure that the U.S. will not attack it, then maybe it could dial back its support for terrorists. I don't think Iran's bad behavior is all about Israel, even if that's their best propaganda tool for these efforts. So I'm doubtful the Iranian relationship would improve, but it plausibly could. The effect of terrorism is also uncertain. Maybe over time, anti-U.S. terrorism will diminish, as people just don't get jazzed up in the same way when the U.S. isn't involved with Israel. Or maybe the U.S. can still be seen as a Western imperial crusader who should have no involvement in Muslim lands. I'd think neutrality would have some positive effect on terror because Israel is such an emotional issue for Arabs and Muslims. But it's not clear if the difference would be crucial. So, neutrality could either lead to the U.S. saving money, having better relations with Muslim countries, and free the U.S. from worrying about whatever is happening in Israel, Gaza, and the West Bank, as long as it didn't disrupt trade flows. Or, it could destabilize the region into hell on earth, skyrocketing the price of oil and killing millions. It would for sure end the technological, intelligence, and training benefits that the U.S. gets, as well as lose the potential to use Israeli territory in an emergency, and would slightly to greatly reduce anti-U.S. terror over time. It would also likely lead to Israel sharing technology with Russia and China. I think the biggest crux is how Middle Eastern peoples and states respond, including Israel. If Israel and Arab states respond by continuing their cooperation as an anti-Iran coalition, then the interstate relationships won't majorly shift. If terrorists don't explode toward Israel much more than they already do, then that problem won't change much. If potential terrorists, terrorist supporters, and Iran see the U.S. in a new light, then the U.S. could get great benefits from neutrality toward Israel. But if they still see the U.S. as the great Satan for some other reason, then the U.S. lost an ally just to save a little cash and a few headaches. So, is it in the interests of the United States to support Israel it's a borderline case. On the one hand, the U.S. gains a fantastic research partner who not only helps develop weapons, but tests them in a real military context and shows the world how effective our weapons are. Israel shares tactics and intelligence to help the U.S. fight terror and meet the challenge of rogue and terrorist-supporting states like Iran, including making it harder for them to develop nuclear weapons by actions Israel takes itself. The U.S. also has a foothold in a strategic area and can use its influence to maintain stability, both by making Israel too strong to attack and by making Israel feel secure enough to act less rashly with its foreign neighbors. On the other hand, being friends with Israel incites the hatred of the Muslim world, leading to more difficult diplomacy and more anti-U.S. terror. The U.S. could spend money sent to Israel on its own domestic problems or on research to make up for the loss of Israeli help. The U.S. President and Secretary of State would not need a huge chunk of their attention diverted because Israel fights some terrorists. That wouldn't be our problem. The U.S. could keep on going just fine without Israel. They don't hold such an important location that the U.S. must be friendly with whomever holds that piece of land. The U.S. can and does partner with other Middle Eastern countries. We've come to the end, and I still haven't answered the question. Is it in the U.S. interests to support Israel? The land of Palestine doesn't hold crucial resources and isn't such an important location that the U.S. needs influence there. 
Israel itself could be obliterated and the U.S. would be just fine. Israel isn't a core interest of the United States, so such a close relationship isn't necessary for the survival and prosperity of the United States. However, lots of the costs from being Israel's friend would exist anyways. Terrorists have plenty of good and bad reasons to hate the U.S. Muslims will turn from hating the U.S. because they support Israel to hating them because they are imperial Western crusaders. Iran won't suddenly give up on supporting terror and pursuing nuclear weapons because they still want both those capabilities to fight against their regional rivals and the U.S. And the U.S. gains substantial benefits from the relationship. Israel is a very powerful, smart, and high-tech society. They have intel, technological development skills, and tactics like no other country. The U.S. gains immensely from Israel's prowess in these areas. Weapons the U.S. develops with Israel can be used to defend the U.S. against powers like China and Russia. Also, who knows what the heck will happen if the U.S. abandons Israel. The Middle East very well could explode in violence and even genocide and nuclear explosions. That would be horrible for the people of the U.S. through the mechanisms of expensive oil and a weak economy. Terrorists, rogue states, and rival great powers may perceive the U.S. backing away from Israel as a weakness and take risks they otherwise wouldn't, expecting that the U.S. wouldn't stomach supporting other allies either. I say it's not worth the unknown of ending such a relationship and that the costs may very well continue with or without Israel and that the benefits are substantial and help the U.S., in more than just the Middle East. So I say supporting Israel is in the interest of the United States, even though it's a close call involving many uncertainties and risk tolerances. Israeli Treatment of the Palestinians You could argue that Israeli treatment toward Palestinians is justified because too many Palestinians are terrorists who will never accept Israel's right to exist, and Israel does what it needs to do to defend itself. Although I'm sympathetic with that statement to an extent, Israel is very loose with Palestinians' lives, to a point that I don't believe is moral. But, even if Israel was even worse than that, even if Israel was an unjustified oppressor, this wouldn't change the conclusion of this piece as long as it didn't somehow affect the United States. We live in a rough world. There are terrorists. There are people who unfairly blame the United States for many things wrong in the world and their lives. And there are powerful foreign countries with strong militaries who do not share the same values as the U.S. The U.S. does not have the power to make the world right. We don't have the luxury of only allying and working with regimes that are good to their peoples. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and other countries the U.S. works with are dictators who suppress the freedom and will of their peoples. Yet, the U.S. cooperates with them. The U.S. stands for freedom and rights, but it doesn't have the power to just give those rights to the world. And the U.S. won't even have the power to protect its own people's prosperity if it moralizes every relationship. We must work with other countries for trade, investment, technology, military advantage, anti-crime, and counter-terrorism. We wouldn't have the partners we need to protect our people and help them flourish if we refused cooperation with every country that wasn't a freedom-loving democracy. The U.S. can't push for freedom and rights if it acts imprudently. Imprudent actions will weaken the United States and make it less able to promote democracy and rights. The U.S. can't deny the benefits of cooperation because a country is ruled by a bad regime or is bad to its people. Those are internal problems, and we should help people where we can. But for the most part, we can't help people in other countries against their rulers. And it's best for us to gain the benefits of cooperation promote rights and democracy with our words and actions, and work with bad people for the greater good.
I'm Lone Candle. Like me, comment me, love me. XOXOXOXOXOXO. Yeah.